Well, hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to another brand new edition of uh, Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister, and that's normally the point at which I'd say, and I'm joined by my co-host, Christy Mayer. Uh, but Christy has been in Romania uh, for the last week visiting family, and uh, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong on the way to the airport this morning. And as we record this, she is stuck in a taxi somewhere in Romania, hoping to catch her flight. I did challenge her to do the podcast from the taxi, but she wimped out of that. So you can uh, email in and, uh, and uh, just tease her around that one should be back for the next episode uh we hope but i'm joined by a guest uh, who has so much to say she'll make up for the fact uh we have only one presenter this morning i'm joined all the way uh from uh, sydney australia by natasha moore natasha welcome to pep talk thank you for having me so natasha you are uh, a senior research fellow at the center for public christianity uh, down there in Australia, an organisation we have so much respect uh, for, a lot in common with, a lot of common friendships and stuff. But for folks who've never come across CPX, um, what do you folks do in a nutshell? What is what is CPX all about? Yeah, we want to be a Christian voice in the public square that is reasonable and gracious and generous and inviting, um, which is th- those are not things that people always associate with. Christian speaking in public. Um, There's a lot about our public discourse that encourages people to be shouty um, and shrill and combative. And we, you know, the Christian gospel is not like that. And so we really want to be contributing to the public conversation in ways that are distinctively Christian. We think that's good for the public conversation. Um, We think it's good for the gospel. Uh, And so you know, we do things like write for mainstream media outlets. We have a podcast of our own called Life and Faith, which you've been on before, Andy. Um, we do speaking and events. Um, we produce documentaries and write books and all that kind of thing, talking about the things that matter to people um, from a Christian perspective because we think that whoever you are, whatever you believe, um, that perspective has something to offer you. Yeah. We'll put a, a link to uh, CPEX into the show notes for this episode. For folks who haven't uh, you know, come across your stuff, hugely encourage people to go look. There are some amazing uh, resources. That documentary you did for the love of God a few years ago, I think was just incredibly helpful. I'm always recommending that uh, to people. But Natasha's tone we, we talked about there a moment, and we, we, you, you know you were talking about it, and we were talking about it before I pressed record. And you know, we live in this very shrill age where the you know the media and social media really encourage people to start you know effectively war against each other and there are culture wars going on um do you think the christian sons have a t- can have a tendency we're not careful of getting sucked into that can we we're not careful suddenly realize that we're, we're, we're we know we're engaging in combat mode rather than, <laughs> than than perhaps engagement winsomeness mode and how do we step back from that how do we avoid doing mm. that while not ducking some of the big issues out there that need to be talked about what what advice would you have for yeah what I mean I think it's easy for everybody to get sucked into that because that's the gravitational pull like that's the nature of polarization is that it um puts us in our corners and entrenches us in our position and the the further away that other people go in their views the more extreme our own views become um this is kind of the cycle and it's a difficult one to break but if anything can break it it's kind of the grace that we believe in um, that's, that's been offered to us in response to our own um, combativeness, um, our own hostility to God, and therefore Christians of anyone, you know, we're often not great at this, um, particularly if Christians feel uh, in the secular West like 
they're under siege or um, they're becoming more of a minority and they feel fearful about that for various reasons, it's very easy to respond defensively um, to kind of, uh, uh, yeah, kind of speak from a place of fear or anger or um, uh, frustration. And those are not kind of hallmarks of the gospel. Um, We kind of, we talk about tone a lot because we want to just not, we want to not just say things that are true. We want to say them in ways that can be heard by people who don't already agree with us. Like what's the point in having a public conversation about stuff if all you're ever doing is preaching to the choir? And that's so much of what is in the public square, right? Um, We read publications where we're likely to have our own worldviews reinforced, um, our own opinions on stuff reinforced. And it's difficult to speak across lines of difference in ways that can genuinely be heard. And so we want to work really hard at that. We want to meet people where they're at, people who don't already agree with us. And we want to um, adopt a tone that is in keeping with what we believe, this kind of gospel of grace, Um, which means that even if we're saying things that are like they might be offensive, they might be difficult to hear, we want to say them in a way that is warm and gracious and loving because you can't you know, offer a truth that is all about um, love and grace in a way that is ungracious. I mean, you can, and people do it all the time, right? (laughs) And we're all guilty of it at times, but it's unlikely to convey to people what we think God is actually like. It reminds me, I had a a friend of mine once told me a story that he was uh, he was he was uh, in the states and he was driving with his uh, wife in the car and he was listening to one of his favorite preachers on the radio and he'd come from a Christian background growing up in the church his wife had come from an atheist background and been a, a Christian much more recently and at one point his wife turned to him and she said why are you listening to this really shouty man on the radio <laughs> and my friend went oh he's, he's not shouty she said he's very angry oh no he's not angry and then she said to him imagine he was trying to sell you a refrigerator in that tone of voice what would you do? My buddy was like, oh man, I, I turn right off. She's like, yeah. <laughs> so, Natasha Pratt, uh, sorry, Natasha Pratt, how can we, um, how can we do that? How can we, you know, you've given the theory, mm. are there any sort of pr- practical steps? Obviously mm. CPX, you're speaking to public square, you guys have a platform, but for people who are perhaps Christians in the workplace or the non-Christians we interact with are in the neighborhood or in our universities, if we're students, is there any kind of just down-to-earth practical wisdom you can offer for yeah. how we can really be leading well in tone? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think a lot of it is, this won't sound very practical, but a lot of it is, I think, about uh, the place we're coming from and getting our lens right when we mm. look at the world around us. Um, so, you know, everything encourages us to look at the world through a lens of fear and of outrage. But actually, you know, for the Christian, if you genuinely believe that the God that we worship is the sovereign Lord over all of history who directs um, people's hearts like streams of water in his hands, like there's no reason to be afraid or to feel threatened. Um, So if we look around at a world where we're like, things are pretty terrible in lots of ways, but God is actually still God and his kingdom is not um, 
you know, compromised or threatened by anything that's going on, um, then we can speak from a place of confidence and love and not a place of fear. Um, so one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is that um, so much of what goes on around us that, you know, we might disagree with or be concerned by um, is easy to read as threat this person disagrees with me, this person sees things differently to me, that's threatening to me. Um, And I actually have been deliberately trying to read those things instead as first, that actually everyone around me, um, even if they're pursuing these things in different ways, like we we're seeking after the same things, we're longing for the same things. Um, We want security and we want fullness. Um, We want to flourish. We want to rest. We want meaning. Um, And we're pursuing those things in different ways, but we're not on opposite teams. Like we're, we're looking for the same things. Um, And so to see those differences as points where we can have a conversation, where we can ask questions, Mm. where we can kind of be like, Hey, you're looking for that. And I'm looking for that. Tell me about how you're going about it. Um, So I think from that starting point of thirst rather than threat. We're all thirsty. Um, and we think that you find satisfaction for that thirst in a particular place that, that God provides that. Um, but other people are also, they have the same thirsts, um, on a more practical kind of, uh, note. One of the things that, Uh, I think is really challenging but also promising about the ways that we argue and interact now. Um, We do a lot of this online. Um, We do this on Facebook. We do this on Twitter, wherever, whatever other platforms we use. Um, And that's often a thing that encourages Mm. hostility and dehumanizing each other. Not really. we, we, We say things that we wouldn't say if the person were sitting in front of us and we could see they were a real person and we could see their reaction to how we're talking, we would moderate that um, because of that face in front of us, because of that person. Um, so there are disadvantages to interacting in that format. But also I think there are advantages because you can pause, you can wait, you can choose to be silent. Um, and those are such important things <laughs> to be practicing. Um, we don't always have to air our opinion. We don't always have to say everything that we want to say. Um, so I think social media particularly gives us the opportunity to go, okay, is what I want to say to this person coming from a place of fear and anger or from a place of love and grace? Um, and if it's not from a place of love and grace, I cannot say anything at least for a while. Let me sleep on it. Let me think about this. Um, Because uh, one of the other questions that um, we often ask ourselves at CPX when we're, you know, looking at something that's going on um, around us, something people are kind of uh, upset about or concerned about, we look at that situation and we go, how is the gospel good news? in this situation because if we if we believe the gospel is true um then we really do think it's good news for everybody in every situation and that's not always going to be obvious to them or to us um sometimes you have to do some work to join up those dots so rather than speaking from a place of like well i think i'm right and you're wrong being like okay what can i say here that helps convey to them Hmm. that the christian understanding of reality 
is going to be one that conduces to their flourishing. Um, what what do I need to, you know, not like smooth over or sweep under the carpet, but what, what points of connection are there between what they're going through, how they're seeing things, and what God is on about, what Jesus is on about? There's a lot of, uh, gosh, a lot of wisdom in there. <laughs> Thank you so Thank you so much for that. I want to come to the back to the first thing that you mentioned in a minute, because I think that's a really, really interesting point. Before uh, I I get to that, just something you said there made, made, me, made me sort of realize that I think, I wonder whether, Natasha, you'd agree that, you know, one of the, I think one of the other things that's going on in culture right now and that, that Christians are sort of struggling to ca- catch up on is we've gone from a point in culture where the church was a majority voice. We had an authority and a standing in culture. So you could do, you could effectively do evangelism from a place of power. But you say, Hey, we're the church, listen to us. And people go, Oh yeah. All right. Now about that, that ship hasn't just sailed. That ship has sailed, sunk, no evidence of it. Uh, whatsoever, I think of you know a fellow Australian to use uh, Stephen McAlpine's book, you know, being the bad guys. Now in culture, we're a minority voice, we're a voice that aren't trusted, and so we need to be leading some of these ways because this is how we build credibility for the gospel. Where people are okay, I don't actually trust you in the church necessarily. Okay, wait a minute, you know, Natasha's willing to listen. She's not out to try and score points. She's willing to to engage and then linked to that is also if we're confident the gospel is true we don't need to demonstrate it by shouting and and dominating the gospel is true it can take its place in the marketplace of ideas and stand up because it's true but i wonder sometimes we we still have to realize we have to learn that lesson we think that i have to be strident i have to win the argument i have to be loud or someone have to let the the side down yeah and i I think Um, One of the interesting things about the particular cultural moment we're in, I mean, the the configuration of this is a bit different in the UK to in Australia to in the United States and elsewhere. Each place has its own sort of configuration of um, what secular looks like. Um, But we're in this weird situation where Christianity is and is not a minority faith. So... Mm. Um, you see this, I mean, we see this all the time in Australian kind of political and other discourse that um, people will be like, oh, well, uh, most people are not Christians. You know, that's a, that's my, that's kind of a thing from the past. Everybody sort of used to be Christian um, and now it's, it's a shrinking or dying faith. Not that many people go to church. That sort of narrative is around um, and the idea that, you know, Christians shouldn't dominate, you're just one voice, um, you know, people free to believe what they like and that's a really good thing um but then there's also this strand where it's like well christianity has been the majority faith for a long time in the west um and uh there are still lots of Christian institutions that have a lot of power or sway within our society. There, we have lots of Christians in parliament um, of various persuasions. And so there's kind of both things happening at the same time. Um, and I think Christians need to be aware of how they come across Um whether they, like we might think of ourselves as a minority, but other people are still going to see us as kind of Mm. speaking from a place of power and privilege. Um, And that's not untrue either. Um, You know, like there there is still a passing familiarity with Christianity that there isn't with other faiths in a lot of cases. Um, And 
there are still lots of things that are very Christian about our society, whether people know that or not. Um, and so I think, you know, we may approach a conversation where we feel like the minority voice, but other people are going to see themselves as the minority voice. And so I think we need to work hard, um, you know, just to hear ourselves from other people's point of view um, and not just assume that the way we see ourselves is the way that other people perceive us. That's that's really helpful. Well, we've got about maybe sort of five or six minutes left. So let's just use that then to talk about this last area that I think is fascinating. You know, you mentioned that word thirst earlier, how actually perhaps we have more in common with our, you know, quote unquote secular friends than we imagine. Because ultimately, for all made in God's image, we all have universal desires that are built into us desire you know for intimacy desire for connection something bigger than ourselves desire for meaning and purpose and identity the list goes on doesn't it how can we use that that area those desires natasha to build a connection to the gospel you know we were talking before the show began about pre-evangelism pre-evangelism this idea that if you simply walk up to a random passing person in the street these days and say hey you know um have you found jesus yet they'll look at you like you're mad there are perhaps more helpful ways we might start conversations about spirituality with friends and neighbors and colleagues by playing into this kind of area of thirst and desires and longings. Give us a little bit of a sort of overview of how, how that works. How have you found that at CPX or even have you found that personally in some of your own conversations with friends and neighbors? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I used to think of pre-evangelism in terms of um, another term that um, has often been thrown around in the last couple of decades. I think it originated with Tim Keller, this idea of defeater beliefs that, you know, those things that people believe that mean that it's, that it's impossible for them to accept Christianity. Um, so if they're like, oh, well, Christianity is bigoted in these particular ways, so I couldn't possibly believe that. Um, so you need to kind of address those before people are willing to hear um, what Christians are actually on about. Um, but I wonder if uh, if we're thinking about thirst and longing um, that one of the key things in what we might call pre-evangelism is that we want people to want it to be true. Um, you know, it's it's very important that it is true. <laughs> we don't want people to just go, oh, well, this is wishful thinking and that's fine. It'll work out for me. Um, like we want people to believe the gospel because we think it's true. Um, but it also is beautiful and satisfying and it works in terms of wisdom for life and living a particular way. Um, and so... I think having those conversations about longings, about beauty, um, really tap into that, that people go, oh, this is something, like there's something there that I actually want. Um, now, one of the ways to have um, that conversation, you know, the, the things that we do as CPX, we're kind of a media company, so we're doing this in the public square in a very kind of high-level sort of way. Um uh, and we think that's really important to do, but we're under no illusions that like the place where the real stuff happens, hopefully we contribute to it in what we do in the media, but it's in personal relationship. It's in, you know, the church down the road. It's in neighborhoods um, where people are doing life alongside each other, um, where people know about each other's longings and each other's struggles. Um, I think one of the great um misconceptions about evangelism is that it's people who have it all together telling mm. people who don't how they can also have it all together um, and that you have to kind of know all the answers. You have to, you know, 
present this life that's so shiny to them. So they will want that. Whereas actually, um, and I think the past few years have made that um, quite clear. Like we've, we've gone through a couple of years of um, struggle of collapse in various ways um, of things not working out, cancel plans. Life is not always shiny. It doesn't work out the way we think it will. Um, and I, I, my understanding is that people have become more willing to say, hey, I'm not okay. Hey, lots of things aren't okay. Um, and to meet in that place of vulnerability. And I think that that's so powerful to be able to say, you know, as Christians, we don't have to present some face to our non-Christian friends and family, um, that you can fall apart and that that's actually exactly the kind of um, circumstance in which, like, God excels at showing his grace, his peace, his might um, through our weakness, um, that people don't want someone to come in and say, here's how you can get your life together. I mean, they sort of do self-help mm. section of the bookstore, <laughs> but... Actually, people want someone to come alongside them and go, yeah, I'm vulnerable and struggling too. Here's where you can find water. Here's where I've found it. Um, so I'd really encourage people to just speak to others from that place of honesty, from that place of your own thirst. Um, I think people really respond to that. Yeah, it's interesting. We found, and we we found that even personally. I, mean, I think during the you know the early stages of the of, of the pandemic back in in twenty twenty, that you know if you said to sort of friends and neighbours, "Hey, it's you know, I'm really struggling. This is just really depressing right now. How do you get through it?" And then out of that conversation, to be able to share you know the difference the Christian faith meant, not in a context of "Hey, it makes everything wonderful and okay." Um, you know, we the Christians have always known right that life is messy. But to be able to then share the hope that Christ can bring in the middle of that messiness, that was quite mm. a game changer, actually. Because as, as you say, we can have this pressure on us, can't we, to think we have to have it all together. Um, and people can see right that through that a mile away too. Absolutely. Well, Natasha, we're really grateful for you uh, taking the time. Hugely grateful for all that you and the your colleagues at CPX do. Lots of great resources there. Again, for folks listening who have not, come across cpx before follow the link in the show notes we'll put a link through to their website where you can dive into all the great resources uh, they have available um but we're grateful for you taking the time thanks for joining us natasha thanks for having me well it's been great to have you and uh, so for those listening at home or on the car or on your run wherever you're catching this episode uh we'll be back in two weeks time with another episode of pep talk and uh, hopefully christy will have made it back uh from the badlands of romania at least the uh, taxi ride to the airport and we'll have another guest for you but so uh, in the meantime have a great fortnight 